Hello and welcome to Decaf, a production of the Beacon Center of Tennessee. I'm Taylor and as always, I'm joined by my friend and co-worker Mark. Mark, you are uh, not wearing a Utah Jazz hat today. Should we be worried? I'd say yes. Uh, our whole team, <laughs> we're going to be the worst team in the NBA for the next 10 years. So I'm just, uh, we're just cheering away all our good players this offseason, it seems like. So I'm getting ready for a rebuild. But we have a football topic coming up. So we have about a month left until the season. So I want to wear my Notre Dame hat so we can, uh, I feel prepared to talk about it. I mean, if you want, I can get you an Alabama hat. I would be more than happy to contribute that to your wardrobe. I actually have an Alabama basketball t-shirt. I, I will never wear football stuff because I don't respect them, but I do like their basketball team and I like their coach. So I'm an okay Alabama basketball fan. I don't know if there's any insult worse than I don't respect them or I don't respect <laughs> you. That is a savage burn. Yep. The second best team in the country. Okay. I <laughs> I got to go. That's it for decaf. I'm giving Mark a hard time because he did one of my dream interviews this week. And I can't believe that I didn't just get on Zoom and hijack it from him. Mark, you got to interview Dr. Ben Carson on our over-caffeinated show this week. You interviewed him last week. It aired this week. I have always wanted to interview Dr. Carson because I think he is the smartest man in the entire world. What was it like? He was as great as expected. I guess as somebody who, you know, I knew when he ran for president, like we said before, that was such a huge deal. And as a first time candidate to be the front runner for a while was a gigantic Mm -hmm. achievement. Also the world's best neurosurgeon. I mean, this guy is the most impressive person ever. And I only Mm -hmm. knew him from running for president. I respected him. I thought he was a very well-spoken, extremely intelligent person. That's soft-spoken, confident, but he doesn't act overly confident in like a humble way. Yeah, that's what we call humility. <laughs> yes, he was very, very humble, but he was just incredible. I mean, he's, we talked about how smart he is, but he just, he has that kind of low, humble voice where he doesn't feel like he needs to grab attention. You listen to what he says, he'll forget more than I ever know. I mean, he knows everything about everything, including cooking, including just these things, baseball. I mean, the guy is a certified genius, you know, again, the best neurosurgeon in the world. And it was just a real pleasure to talk to him and kind of get his take on something. And I told you kind of earlier off the show that I really like the way he didn't make it this political statement where it's, oh, it's the Republicans versus the Democrats. It's the right. right. Like he really talked about people and he talked about solutions that, you know, might be more right, right oriented. But he didn't add into this, you know, this real thing that we talk about all the time about this divide in America where people, Republicans are yelling at Democrats, Democrats are yelling at Republicans and they're, they're on their blue and red team. It didn't feel like that to me. He felt like somebody who really wanted solutions and didn't care so much about the party. He cared about the principles and the policy. And anytime he did kind of hit at the other side, it was a joke. He's funny. Since when have you ever met a brilliant neurosurgeon who's also like really funny? Some of the questions that you asked, he didn't really like the options that you gave him. And so he answered on his own. I mean, he's funny. His brain is a miraculous thing. I usually sneak on the Zoom and just hide myself and listen to these interviews. I didn't do it this time. I waited until everybody else could see it before I watched it. And I was just blown away. I was sending Mark messages like, how is this man real? It, it was it was a really great thing to watch. So if you're listening to this right now, or if you're watching it on our Facebook, you should go to our Facebook page, Beacon TN, and look up our interview with Dr. Carson and watch it because you will not be disappointed. You will have just as much respect for him afterwards as I do. It was a really, really great show. Probably one of your best, Mark. You're on the up and up. I don't think you ever complimented me on that before. And you like messaged me like, oh, this is a great show. Like, this is a great job. So if you're complimenting me on it, you know, it's pretty good. So it is definitely worth a listen. And he'll be in Franklin. He's, He's been in Tennessee the last week kind of doing appearances. 
My dad made a good joke. He said with uh, Maria uh, Bart. I don't even necessarily have to say Bart. Maria Bartiromo. Maria B. On Sunday. And my dad's like, oh, I guess he wanted to get like the, the really high profile shows out of the way first before he went on Fox <laughs> News. So so he went on, he went on decaf first. <laughs> That's incredible. I love that. Well, yeah, he will be. He will be in Nashville this weekend. And if you want to go see him, grab your tickets. The link is in our Facebook post. But yes, Mark, to your point, I'm not a mean girl. I wouldn't say I'm a mean girl, but I don't give out compliments easily. So if I am complimenting you, you know that it's good. I don't, I don't say it. I can appreciate some things quietly, but if I talk about how good it is, you know that I'm impressed. And this was one of the shows that I was just absolutely blown away by. I thought you said you weren't a meme girl. Like you share memes all the time. You're definitely a meme girl. <laughs> I am definitely a meme girl with an M. I am not a mean <laughs> girl with an N. I'm just a little stoic. And if I if I offer a compliment, you need to put it in your pocket and take it with you because it is rare. They are few and far between. You know, someone who I haven't been complimenting a lot lately and don't know that I ever will at this rate is the current presidential administration. The economic numbers came out today. And I don't know, you know, I think that we should get one of the dictionaries that the Biden administration is using to define what's going on in the country because they're not defining recession the way that I define recession. I define recession Wait, the Oxford English Dictionary defines recession, which is two consecutive quarters of lagging numbers of decline in the economy. So that's where we're at right now is we are we are officially in the second consecutive quarter of non-growth of lagging numbers. And I'm pretty sure that's a recession. Mark, you got any hot takes on that? Well, there's one hot take, I think, is that obviously, if you don't know that the Biden administration said that we're not in a technical recession, that was their point after two quarters. Mm. Uh, It seems like there's a lot of definitions. Most of them point to the fact that it is a technical recession. But regardless, I think this is something that we talked about months ago when Jen Psaki left, you know, when their communications director left is this is not the narrative you want. You don't want your administration to be arguing about the technicalities of what a recession is when people are hurting so bad. It is an absolute disaster from a cons perspective where it just shows how out of touch you are. Honestly, nobody really cares whether it's a technical recession or not. They care that their wallet is starting. They care they can't buy stuff. They care not making as much money as, as what the cost of things are going up. This is a huge problem. And it just shows how out of touch they are with the American people to even be arguing about this. Nobody really cares about the technical recession. And if you're having that argument with yourselves, you're losing. I mean, that that's a losing argument at a time like this. So say what you want about, you know, his, his communications uh, skills and department before this, things have gotten substantially worse. And this is just another black eye on this administration to be having this discussion. I don't care if he's right or wrong. It seems like he's wrong, but I don't even care. It just shows a complete lack of of understanding of what the American people are going through. Yeah, you make a really great point there. Why are we arguing about what a technical recession is instead of getting out there and calming the American people down and saying, this is what we're going to do about this? I like it. I I believe in the Ronald Reagan quote where he says, the worst thing you could ever hear is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. I am a big (laughs) proponent of of that. So I would rather them say, we're not going to do anything. We're going to let you guys stimulate the economy. We're just going to let the market do as the market does. But I even saw a tweet from the Wall Street Journal earlier today where China's officials all but came out and said that they weren't going to meet their economic numbers. They weren't going to meet the status that they set for themselves. And if China's not meeting their numbers and everybody's buying things from China, we probably aren't going to be doing so well either. This is a worldwide recession. And I don't know where 
the president is. He, I mean, he has had COVID, so feel sorry for him there. He's better now. But we need to get some economic advisors in there trying to figure out what we can do to ease the burden on Americans. And, you know, if we ease the burden on Americans, probably the rest of the world. But we are in a recession. Admit it. Call it like it is and tell us what we're going to do to fix it because people are really struggling here. I can't tell you the amount of conversations I've had recently where folks are struggling to make ends meet. And it's not, I looked at my financial portfolio the other day and wanted to jump out a window. So I I get it. (laughs) Things are not, things are not looking good. The problem is that nobody in the Biden administration understands what a recession is and how we got here. And that goes back to this whole Janet Yellen saying, we're not in a rec- like, this is a temporary thing. We don't believe inflation's actually, we think it's just right now. It's not going to keep going. Time after time, they've been wrong. And Larry Summers, the former economic advisor to, to Obama, warned that there's going to be a recession if you do all these spending plans. They ignored him and laughed at him and said, you're wrong. So it's like, you can't have the very people who didn't understand why it happened in the first place try to fix it. It, it just doesn't yeah. work. And because you don't understand the core problem of why it happened. And like we talked about before, not all of it is the Biden administration's fault. Not all of it is under our control. You know, a worldwide pandemic is something that matters. And the fact that it's not just the U.S., the, the rest of the world's having issues with this, too. But you can't fix a problem when you don't understand how you got to that problem. And that's the whole problem with the Biden administration. They don't understand it. And not even just the Biden administration. Again, we have to say, I think we can blame Biden a good amount for this, more than 50%. I mean, some of the Trump handouts for the COVID stuff that we talked about is partially responsible for this too. You're, you're, you're having to print money in order to put all this COVID money because you shut down the government. So uh, it is not just Biden's fault, but the fact that, you know, the, the one tenant that Biden ran on saying, you know, I just want somebody to be honest and straight up with the American people. And I want somebody to basically take blame when it's deserved. He won't do any of that. He is basically doing the same things that he blamed Trump of doing. And it's just, it's so disingenuous. And I think at this point, I mean, I saw a poll too, that they said in, in New Hampshire, democratic primary voters prefer Pete Buttigieg over Biden right now. So even his own party, and they're not even running. They gave them much choice. And Biden was behind Pete Buttigieg in New Hampshire, which is, you know, one of the first in the nation primaries. It's a swing state. He's having issues within his own party. It's not just, you know, the Republicans saying things or the moderates. The entire country right now is saying, what are you doing? I don't understand this. When you just talked about how President Biden ran on, I want to have people that we can trust, people who are going to be honest. I would love to see a YouTube video where their record scratches and someone like breaks the fourth wall like they did in those cheesy 90s sitcoms and looks at the camera and says, would you really? And then like a super cut of everything that's happened after that, because it would just go to show that there isn't a lot of honesty. There isn't a lot of transparency. There isn't a lot of solution finding. There's a lot of blaming and changing the definition. And it's only making things worse for people. When the markets face uncertainty, we all suffer. And I think that the markets are seeing a lot of uncertainty because we don't really know what's going to happen. And we don't really know that we can trust the boss, whether whoever you want to blame this on right now, President Biden is the boss and he's got to take responsibility for what's going on at the current moment. We can talk about the roots of this later, but at the current moment, that's what we're dealing with. And he keeps putting blame on things. He's saying, oh, yeah, that, you know, the giant corporations are responsible for inflation. It's like, what are you talking about? They just somehow got greedy over the past year and they've never been before. And now and the gas prices he blamed on the Russia, Ukraine conflict, like they were going up way before that happened. It's just these things that it, it, they don't make any sense. And as much as you know, I don't like to do this because this is not my thing. It doesn't feel like the media is holding him to account to the things that he's saying and where he's putting blame like they did Trump and Trump did the same thing. He put blame on everything but him. He was never responsible for anything. But the media 
media really held him to task on that. I don't see that with, with Biden saying like, look, even if I like you or whatever, this is obviously not the reason why this is happening. I agree. And hey, media, we got a pitch idea for you. Track everything that the last two presidents have blamed struggles in the economy on and just make a list and we'll see and we'll see what ends up coming out as, as the actual reason. How about that? We can move on from this because I'm getting depressed. But while we're talking about the media, let's talk about something happy like SEC media days and all of the SEC things that happened last year. I know Mark hates to talk about the SEC. You hate it. I get it. We I want are, to talk about this, though, because that, that one person, that one crazy vote I want to talk about. <laughs> OK, we'll talk about the crazy vote. So if you don't know, there was a poll, I guess it was last week of people who were involved in Southeastern Conference football. The poll was, who's going to win the conference this year? What team has the chance to win the conference this year? Alabama was far and away the winner. But there were some uh, cute little surprising Things sprinkled in there. Mark, t- tell us about what really shocked you there. We don't know if it's serious or fake. So it's media day. So it's the media who's voting in this. And somehow uh, there, there is, I think, about 175 votes or I guess a little bit more, about 180 votes for first place in the SEC. 158 picked Alabama, 18 picked Georgia, and somehow three picked South Carolina, which is weird to begin with, but they got a good quarterback. I kind of understand. Uh, one media member picked Vanderbilt. I don't think Vanderbilt's had a winning season in like eight years. If they get to 500 this year, it would be insane. And some media members thought that they would win the SEC. And I'm telling you, either he's the biggest troll of all time, or if he's smart enough to think that could actually happen, put like $10 down. You'll win like a million dollars because it is just not going to happen. And I think that's why these... You know, the media, it's it just kind of making a mockery of the process. You know, I, I, I think if I'm looking at that, I, pr- I probably vote for Georgia to win. But I think Alabama's a fine vote. It's happened since 92. So that's, I mean, what is that at this point? 20 years. And they've only been right like seven times. So the media has not been a good indicator of who's actually going to win it. But it's the media. It's like, I actually care a lot more about the coaches, Paul, because they kind of know who's in each program. They know those things. But it's an absolute joke that somebody, that Vanderbilt got a, got any vote. And also, it's a joke that Alabama got such a high percentage because the the Betting lines put Alabama and Georgia at about a coin flip. I understand why it might be 80-80, but to have 158 for Alabama, I, I think that's just more more of the media favoritism that we see we seem to see for them every year. I do sometimes feel like I need to check my heart on this because if it was any other team, I would be furious. I would be going scorched earth out there just being so ugly about it. But because it's Alabama, I just feel like I'm riding in my little parade float, the homecoming parade, just waving and enjoying the adoration of all the fans and and the hatred. The media. So I guess the fans (laughs) and media are the same thing for you guys. Okay. Listen, (laughs) that was kind of savage, but it was true. But but you're right. I, if it was any other team, I would be so upset. Like Georgia, no team makes my blood boil like Auburn, but Georgia is creeping on up there with them. I just feel like because they're they're a threat, and you know how competitive I am, and so it was a it was a joy for me to see Georgia only get a handful of votes in that. It should also be a joy to make Auburn just the most irrelevant football team that there is right now. I mean, they, they are apps. They're actually irrelevant. They got zero first place votes. I think I think they're projected to finish like I think fourth on their side of the conference. Oh, it's beautiful. No, I'm sorry. They're finished. They're they're picked to finish last in the Western Division below Mississippi State, LSU, and Ole Miss. So, I mean, this is a, I mean, they have fallen so far um, that they're not even relevant anymore. And Brian Harson is going to be fired for this year. Um, but it will be interesting because let's talk a little bit about the SEC because we're getting excited for football season. Um, Tennessee was picked third. 
in in the in their side of the division, the East side, with you know Kentucky was was neck and neck with them. But that should be a pretty competitive side because. You know, South Carolina should be much better. You know, Georgia, Georgia probably won't be quite as good as last year. And, and you know, Kentucky's bringing basically everybody back. So Kentucky's kind of the dark horse team that, that could win that side of the division. That scares me. Kentucky is Kentucky's a little sneaky. That scares me. But I'm I'm excited. You know, it's always fun. The third Saturday in October is the Alabama Tennessee game. And it's fun when Tennessee is competitive. I know I like to say as much as everyone else, it's been over 5,000 days since Alabama has, since Tennessee has beat <laughs> Alabama. But it's fun when Tennessee competes. I love to see it when they can compete. It just makes the game and the experience so much more fun. So I hope that the polls are right and that Tennessee is going to be as strong as, as that we think it is this year, because that's going to make the third Saturday in October really fun. I feel like we've heard Tennessee is going to compete about the last five years and it just hasn't come out yet just because the media says so beforehand. It's yeah. not actually it's not actually been borne out at all. So we'll see if they'll actually do that. I mean, last year they they pretty much underachieved, but Purdue beat them that bowl game, which won me money. So I was excited about that. But we'll see what Tennessee is. I think that eventually they're going to break through. I think that they have, you know, a decent coach and they have, a, you know, they had a good recruiting year. But you can't believe it until you see it. Same thing with LSU. I keep hearing about how they're going to be back. I'm still waiting to see that since that national championship. So we'll see. Um, my my sleeper is Arkansas. Everyone's on Texas A&M as the biggest competitor to Alabama that side. I think Arkansas is going to be the biggest competitor to Alabama. Not sure they win, but I don't buy this Texas A&M love just because they got a bunch of recruits. I agree. I texted some of my friends the other day and said, you want to go to Fayetteville for the game this year, October 8th? Let's go. I want to see Alabama face off with Arkansas. I am ready for that to be a competitive game again. It used to be when I was a kid and it's not anymore and I am ready for it. So wishful thinking. So we talked about winners and losers in the SECs, but before we go, we need to talk about the winners and losers in America right now. And today, as we mourn the Choco Taco, we are all losers. Mark, this is the biggest disappointment since Alabama losing to Texas A&M last year. And I know that hasn't been a long time, but this is a big disappointment. I think, I tend to think that them saying they're discontinuing Choco Tacos is a marketing campaign for us to all go out and buy Choco Tacos. I don't think they can get rid of the Mark. I really don't think they can. So it's funny because the Chaka Taka has so many memories for me. It's, it's a weird thing. There's a yes. ton of memories in that. I used to, um, and, and this is a fun fact that not a lot of people know. So I used to have hockey practice every Sunday. After hockey, you always used to get a Taco Bell every single Sunday afterwards. And they had Chaco Tacos in that little fridge by the on the counter. So you get a taco and a Chaco Taco. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Most people don't know that. That was a staple at Taco Bell until I was probably about 11 or 12. They used to have a little a little freezer of Chaco Tacos that you could that you could add to your order. So I get real tacos and then Chaco Tacos. And they had that stupid machine, you know, where you put the you put the the coins and you try to catch it on one of the and things. Spin it. Yes. The the nickel was always a Chaco Taco. So I'd put a bunch of nickels in when I was done until I won. Um, so it was quite a it was very fun. And I just have all these great memories of it. But like everything else we talk about, I've had one shot. I had a Chaco Taco actually about six months ago. But before that, I've only had probably one Chaco Taco in the past probably nine years. So I'm the reason they're going to business. I should be buying that. I have no one to blame but myself. Same, same. We used to get Choco Tacos at the pool that we went to growing up. It was the the Anderson Country Club pool. And so as a kid, you know, you think you can just go up and put your parents number down and it's free, which is what I did all the time. And I would get chicken nuggets and Choco Taco. And it was just so fun to take a break from the pool 
go sit out and eat a Choco Taco and then jump back in and get a stomach ache. Man, best stomach ache I ever had. It was just always so fun. But as you said, I have not had Choco Taco in so long. Now, why they're not discontinuing those nasty strawberry bars on the popsicle stick that they have and keeping the Choco Tacos, I don't understand. Those things are wait, gross. Wait, wait, do you mean the strawberry, the strawberry shortcake ones with like the like the yes, outside that's gross. like texture? Oh, those are the best dessert there is. Those are better than Choco Tacos. I, 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 would, I mean, there's a reason they're not discontinuing because people are still buying them. So that's the reason why. Oh, those are great. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. People love those. How could you dislike them? It's such a great texture. It's so delicious. I mean, I've never heard anybody say a bad thing about them. That's a bad, that's a Nickelback opinion. No, the texture of those things is criminal. That is gross. Uh, you're, in a, you're in the minority. Almost nobody thinks that. And I feel like you are, this is this is your Nickelback argument. I, like, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm fine with you thinking that. People like that and it is a good popsicle. It, that was the best, that's like the best popsicle they have because you kind of get a little bit of the ice cream. You get kind of like the topping, the texture. I, I think it's great. And that's insane you said that. If we keep talking about it, I'm going to be sick. I can't talk. I can't even uh, talk about it. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get one. I think. I'm, I want to buy some so those don't get discontinued. After Chocolate Taco has taught me a lesson, I don't want to sit on my laurels and not buy ice cream I like. I know. I don't really eat sugar, but I feel like I need to go down to the gas station when we get off this podcast and get a Choco Taco just for nostalgia's sake. Our coworker Stephanie is very upset about it. She loves a Choco Taco. I love a Choco Taco. I think it's a marketing campaign. Do you think they're really getting rid of them, or do you think it's marketing? It's not a bad idea. I think they're probably planning on getting rid of them, but there might be some weird, you know, somebody coming to save them, be like, here's a couple million dollars, keep them. Some like, you know, GoFundMe or somebody buying a bunch of their supplies. So I think it's a, I think it is a true thing, but it could also work to their extent where like they bring it back because so many people are outraged. It's like the Mexican pizza. The Choco Taco is the Mexican pizza of 2022. We'll see what happens there. And you never know. You might see us on the podcast next week eating Choco Tacos. <laughs> if somebody if somebody really likes the podcast, feel free to send us some because we, we will make good use of them. Mark, you got any final thoughts before we sign off? Just watch the Ben Carson interview. It was great. So for Taylor and Mark in the Beacon Center, this has been Decaf. We will talk to you next week. Hey, hey.